In Galatians, the third chapter. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Galatians 3, 13. It says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That, in other words, that happened, he did that, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, first of all, I want you to just... Uh, with me, let's say this first phrase out loud for, oh, I don't know, three or four or five times. This phrase, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. I want us to say that several times. I want us to think about it. Say it out loud with me. Think about it. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Again, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, so this time say, me. He's redeemed me. Christ hath redeemed me from the curse of the law. Two more times anyway. Christ hath redeemed me from the curse of the law. Christ hath redeemed me from the curse of the law. Is that good news? Is that good? That's wonderful news. Awesome news. Amazing news. Tremendous news. Good news. Amen. Who redeemed us? Christ. He's, he's in the process of redeeming us or he's going to redeem us. Hath, it says in the King James, that means has. Already has. This is something that's already done. This is not something we're looking forward to. This is not something that's in the process of happening. This is something that has already happened. Glory. You know, so many times Christians think and, and pray wrong. If you'll analyze a lot of Christian praying, it's more like this, Lord, do this, and Lord, do that, and Lord, would you do this, and please do this, and Please do this and please do that. But did you know that so many things that people are praying about for the Lord to do, that really He's already done. It's already a finished, accomplished fact in redemption. And by continuing to pray and say, Lord, would you do this? That's equal to saying, I don't believe you've done it. It's equal to saying, I don't believe the Bible. Now that's something to think about, isn't it? That's something we need to, we need to contemplate. Did you, if you read the scripture prayers, read the prayers that the Spirit of God inspired, say, Paul to pray for the saints at the church of Ephesus or, or Colossae or Philippi or whatever, then uh, notice how he prays for them. Like in Ephesians 1. He says, uh, he says I pray, uh, you know, among other things, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him would be upon you, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened so that you would know so that you'd know what is the hope uh, of his calling. Amen. What is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints? That you'd know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. That you'd know. And he goes on to say that you'd know. Amen. How that he's been given a name that's above every name. Amen. All things have been put under his feet. He goes on to talk. He wants you to know this. 
He's praying that they would know, know, know. Not praying that God would do. Praying that they'd find out and know what God has done in Christ. Amen. You see, so many times we need, instead of praying, Lord, would you do this? Lord, would you do that? Like he hasn't done anything for us. Like he still has to do it. We need to, we need to pray, Lord, reveal unto me what you have done for me. Reveal unto me, open my eyes, help me to see, open my heart, help me to understand and get a hold of what you have already bought and paid for, what you have already done and accomplished for me so that by faith I can appropriate it and act on it. That's what we need as much as anything. A revelation of what God has done for us already in Christ in the plan of redemption. So who has redeemed us? Christ. He's already redeemed us. Isn't that right? From what? From the curse of the law unto what? Notice that next verse down there? It said that, in other words, he cursed, he's redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Or you can say it like this. We've been redeemed from the curse to the blessing. Amen. Amen. Oh, boy, I tell you, that's something worth thinking about. That's something you get a hold of it, it'll make you shout. Even if you're not normally a shouter. Still make you shout. Amen. Somebody say, well, now, I just don't believe you have to jump or yell or, you know, to be in church to have a good... I just don't believe you have to do that. No, you don't have to. But I tell you what, you get enough revelation of some of these things, you get full enough of some of these things, you'll do something. I said, you'll do something. It gets real enough to you. you. You're going to get excited about it. And that's all there is to it. You, if you really realize what God in Christ has already done for you and what belongs to you, it will excite you. No maybes about it. It will. It'll excite you so much till you may do things you, you wouldn't think you would do. Amen. Amen. not talking about putting on a show. I'm just talking about being excited. And I'm telling you, that's when truth dawns on you like that and you get excited about it, that's when it makes you free. The Bible said, you, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. So when you know the truth like that, it makes you excited. And when, when, when it's like that, that's where it's setting you free. You're at the point where it is, it is liberating you, setting you free. Let's think about these things now. Christ hath redeemed us already has, redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing might come on us. The blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's us. We might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The greatest blessing is the Spirit of God. Isn't that right? The Holy Ghost. Oh, thank God. And all that He is and all that He has and all that He can do. We have been redeemed from the curse to the blessing. Let's read some other portions of Scripture. Look with me next at uh, 1 Peter, the first chapter. 1 Peter, chapter 1. In 1 Peter, the first chapter, in the 18th verse, 1 Peter 1, 18, he said, For as much as you know, now see, the church then knew this. I trust we know it. For as much as you know 
that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but, in other words, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. He said, you, you weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, money, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb. You were redeemed. Now, the word redeem means, basically, it means to buy. When you say, I'm redeemed, you're saying, I'm bought. If you go back over to 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, you'll notice this, a familiar scripture to you, but let's just take time to look at it. 1 Corinthians, chapter 6. 1 Corinthians, chapter 6. Verse 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. He says what? Know ye not. Now, do you see every one of these things he keeps talking about? Do you know this? You do know this, don't you? Don't you know? Not saying that God would do. He said, don't you know this? See, we need to find out and know what God has done. Instead of working on so much, trying to get God to do something, we need to find out what he has already done. He said, uh, know you not, don't you know, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? You know why he was asking them that? Because they were using their bodies to be immoral. They were using their bodies. They, you know, he, they were involved with harlots, prostitutes, drunkenness, gluttony. And he said, what? He said, don't you know your body? is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You don't take your body, the temple of the Holy Ghost, and do these things with it. And some of that same message needs to be preached today, doesn't it? Verse 20, why? For you are bought, glory to God, you are bought with a price. What was that price? The precious blood of the Lamb. Isn't that right? You are bought, not going to be bought, are. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Are God's. Why are they God's? He bought them. Amen? If you buy something, it's yours. Isn't that right? If you buy a clothing item, you pay for it, you give them money, you don't owe them anything for it. You walk out of the store. Whose is that garment? It's yours. How many realize that? I mean, there's no question about it. You go and you put money down and you pay for it. You don't owe anything for it. You've paid the full price for it. Then that object is yours. No question about the ownership. It's yours. You bought it. You paid for it. Well, who do you belong to? You belong to Jesus. Amen. You belong to God. You don't belong to yourself. You don't belong to anybody else. You don't belong to your pastor. You don't belong to your boss. 
to the employer. You don't belong, I'm talking about as far as exclusive ownership. You don't belong to your wife or to your husband in the sense that you belong to the Lord. You understand? Now there's some things we could get in and talk about. You understand how I'm using that? Nobody owns you like the Lord. He owns you. <laughs> you might say, why are you so repetitious? That's how you get it. I'm not just repetitious because I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> repetitious because that's, that's how things get in you. Sometimes you just need to keep hearing. You might say, well, I got it the first time. He said, yeah, your head might have got it. But I'm not just interested in your head getting it. I'm interested in your heart getting it. That's different. You're bought. Jesus bought you and paid for you and you're his. You belong to him. If that's true, then you should be asking him what he wants you to do with you. Isn't that right? If it's his body, what does he want to do with it? If, it, if it's his spirit, what does he want to do with it? You're his. Well, tell one of the greatest revelations that, that an individual Christian could get. It'll make so much difference in your life. See, so many Christians, bless their hearts, even though they have received the Lord as their Savior, they don't act like they're the Lord's. They act like they're their own. They do. They make their own plans, and they never ask the Lord about them, and just do their own things, pursue their own careers, do what they want to do, when they want to do it, the way they want to do it. Usually what they do is just make all their plans and say, Lord, bless us as we do our thing. And they wonder sometimes why it doesn't happen that way. Well, because it's not his plan. He's not just going to bless your plan. you got to find out his plan. And then his plan is already blessed. You see, a lot of folk, you know, even though they do claim Jesus as their Savior, and they're saved, they are saved, they die, they go to heaven, yet they don't act like they're his. They act like they are their own. Your spirit is his. Your soul is his. Your body is his. You know, I've heard people talking to me sometimes about habits before. And they said, well, you know, they, they were doing this or that, you know, smoking or drinking or using some drugs or whatever the case might be. And they're trying to justify it. A lot of times I didn't say a word to them about it. You know, they just, they brought it up. wonder why they brought it up. Well, it's bothering them. And then they're trying to justify it, you see. And they say, well, you know, the Bible didn't say thou shalt not smoke. Show me where the Bible says thou shalt not smoke. <laughs> it didn't say thou shalt not jump off a building. It didn't say thou shalt not use heroin. Are you listening? The Lord expects us to have some sense. Having to know, I mean, he expects you to just understand some things on your own. Be able to put two and two together on some things. Uh, no misunderstanding. You know, there's a lot of people got a lot bigger problems than smoking. All right? Some folks that make such a big deal out of smoking, they got some bigger problems than that. They're, they're making a big deal over somebody smoking, and, and man, they, you know, they don't smoke, but they got bigger problems. Yep, just because it's something physical that you can see, they make a big deal out of it. But, but the thing is, folk, folk have said, well, it's my body. I'm not bothering you, you know. It's my body. If I want to do it, then it's up to me. Well, now, wait a minute. If you're a Christian, is that true? Oh, if you're a Christian, it's not your body. 
It's his. He bought it. He paid for it. And you need to ask him what he wants you to do with it. And if he tells you he wants you to smoke, well, fine, go ahead. I'm not going to, you know, I wouldn't try to tell somebody one way or another. If he tells you, you know, that he wants you to abuse it with this or that substance, then, you know, you do whatever he tells you. But I don't think he's going to tell you that. I think he's only going to tell you to do stuff that's good for you. Things that are a blessing to you, help you, not things that take away. You might say, well, I, I, I got a problem and I wish I could do it, but I just can't seem to. Well, first of all, you got to quit saying that. First of all, you've got to quit saying I can't and start saying what the Bible says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, people's words defeat them. They do their self in. They believe wrong, speak wrong. But we are not our own, are we? We're not our own. We have been bought with a price. And we're supposed to glorify God with our body and with our spirit because both of them are God's. They've been bought. They've been paid for. Now, what, what did he buy us with? The Bible said we're not redeemed. We weren't bought with corruptible things like silver and gold. How much money is a human being worth? You ever think about that? Apparently, some humans don't think that human life is worth very much. You hear terrible uh, things about individuals killing somebody in, a, in an alley for $12. They obviously thought that individual's life wasn't worth any more than that $12. But the Bible says, over in Psalms, it talks about the fact that the value of a soul ceases forever. Now, if you go into other translations, it brings out the fact that there's no amount of money that is worth the value of one human soul. No amount of money. No, no amount of money, no billions or trillions of dollars could redeem one soul. Money can't do it. How many of there's a lot of things money can't buy? Salvation's one of them. Life is one of them. The richest individual in the world, when they face death, they would exchange all of their money in a moment to be able to live a few more days. But what's money? When you're talking about life, you can't buy life with money. And when it came to buying us, there was only one thing that would buy us. And it was the life of the Son of God, and the life is in the blood. And so thank God, God saw fit to buy us back. Amen. And he did it with the blood of the Lamb. Now, let's just stop here. How precious is the blood of the Lamb? We keep seeing that, that, that phrase, the precious blood of the Lamb. How precious means valuable, worth something. How valuable is the blood of the Lamb? Uh, how, how much is it worth? Well, you can't put a, a dollar figure on it. It's worth more than all the, the substance that we could ever concoct on the earth. Worth far more than that. He refers to silver and gold as corruptible things. Well, how many would agree that, that the blood of the Lamb 
is the most precious and the most valuable thing in all time and eternity. Is that right? The blood of the Lamb. Is there anything more precious than the blood of the Lamb? That, that, that's, when you say the blood of the Lamb, the blood is the life. You're saying, in essence, you're also saying, is there anything more precious than Jesus? Is there anything more valuable than Him and than His life? No. No. He's the lily of the valley. The bright and morning star. The fairest of ten thousand of my soul. Amen. He, he's the first and the last. King of kings. Lord of lords. Amen. He, he's, he's everything. Alpha, Omega. Beginning and end. Faithful and true. He's all things. And the reason I'm saying that is this. How many agree with me? That Jesus' blood is the most precious thing in all time and eternity. Is that right? He paid it all for you. He paid that for you. Do you know what that makes you worth? I said, do you know what that makes you worth? That's something to think about, isn't it? How precious is the blood of the Lamb? That's how precious God thought you were because He paid that for you. You know, let's, let's say that there's, there's a jewel that you're looking at. And you have, but before, but, well, let's say before you even find out about the jewel, you just happen to have, you know, $200,000 on you that you have accumulated through whatever. And that money is valuable to you. You, $200,000. You can do something with that. That's valuable to you. But you come across this precious jewel. And you decide that that jewel is valuable enough for you to give all of your money for it. Then that jewel is no doubt valuable to you. If you exchanged all you had for it, then it means that that thing was valuable to you. Jesus gave his blood for us. God the Father gave Jesus for us. That shows that God counts us to be the most precious and valuable beings in all creation. Now say that because the devil hates that. The devil despises that. See, the devil had a place before God, before he became the devil. He was Lucifer, the anointed cherub that covers. He had a place. He was a splendid being, a being of value. But through his own wisdom, he perverted himself, and got lifted up in pride and went against God, raised himself up against God. And, of course, nobody can come up against God successfully and was put down. Now he's lost his place and lost his value and lost his worth. And when he looks at us and sees how much God loves us and sees how much God gave for us, it provokes him. And that's why he hates us so much. That's why he wants to destroy us. Because of envy, hatred, jealousy. He's lost his place. And the Bible says we are the apple of God's eye. Oh, we are. 
But you know, it's something about how so many Christians don't realize that. Masses of Christians, they don't emphasize that. They don't magnify that part of the truth of God's Word. And you should. You should come back to some form of that continuously because the devil is always trying to undermine your sense of value and worth. He lies to you constantly. Not just two or three people in here. Everybody. Every Christian. If you told me that he has never lied to you and tried to undermine your self-confidence and esteem, I'd tell you that you're lying right now. Absolutely would. Don't care who you are because I just know that much about the enemy's work. I know that much about human nature. The devil approaches all Christians. And through all kinds of ways, through, through bringing up past mistakes, through bringing up all kind of failures, through, through, through bringing lies and suggestions and deceptions, he, he endeavors all the time to reduce people until they, they don't like their self, they don't have a sense of value or worth. That's why people do the things that they do. Let their self get involved in the things that they do. And do things that hurt themselves because they don't, they don't appreciate their self. They, they don't see themselves as valuable. They don't see themselves as, as worth anything. It seems like a selfish thing and an egotistical thing to say, well, you know, you should, you should, you should realize how valuable you are to God. But friend, it's the thing that'll make all the difference in your life as to whether you're any good to anybody else. If you have no sense of value and no sense of worth, no self-esteem, you're not going to be much good to anybody else. I'll guarantee you that. You won't act right to other people. You won't treat other people right. You won't treat yourself right. You won't be the kind of witness you should be. The Bible says that we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man to measure faith. Some people read that and they think that he said that we're not to think highly of ourselves. That's not what he said. He said, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but think soberly. He didn't say think, don't think highly of yourself. He said, don't think more highly of yourself than what is real and right and true. Don't get an inflated opinion of yourself. Don't get to thinking you're something that you're not or that you have something you not don't have or that you can do something you can't do. But the Bible also says that we are to, to acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ. Is that right? What is that over in Philemon? About verse 6 or so. He says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you, in Christ. You're supposed to acknowledge. Amen. Is anything good in you? Are you worth anything? Now see, for you to say, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a no good. I'm worth nothing. Then, then that's an insult to your Savior. If you are really such a worm and such a nothing, then why did he pay so much for you? Shows poor judgment on his part. No, there is no poor judgment on his part. 
He knew what he was doing when he selected you and when he bought you. Don't believe the devil's lies. Don't believe the devil's lies. You are worth something. You are valuable. God has got a long-term plan for you. Amen. You're just getting started. So, well, I, I don't like some things about myself. Well, hey, you're just getting started. God's not through with you. But God looked down through the ages and He saw you. He saw something in you that you may have never seen. But He saw it. He saw rulership qualities. He saw qualities of royalty. Someone that would make a, a kingdom ruler throughout the ages. Somebody that would develop characteristics of a being of such integrity that you would be worth bearing the name child of God, son of God. Amen. That you would merit being given the name of Jesus Christ and be authorized to act and speak in that name as God's very own representative. So you need to see yourself through His eyes, don't you? We need to ask Him, Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us. And then, friend, in addition to that, anytime the devil comes a lying to you, you need to recognize the lies of the enemy and not believe them and not give place to them and not get down on yourself and, and let him undermine the confidence and the sense of self-worth and value that God is trying to instill in you. I'm not talking about being inflated with, with, with human pride and ego. I'm talking about realizing the truth of the whole thing. Just reality. You agree with me that the precious blood of Jesus is the most valuable thing in all time and eternity. Did God or did He not pay all of that for us? What does that make us? Valuable. Valuable. Precious. Important. You are so much more important than all the silver and gold, and houses, and lands, and cars, and clothes, and jewelry on this planet. Are you listening? We, we, we have to get our mind renewed. It's amazing how people got a twisted idea and concept. People today, on the streets, selling their self for a few dollars. Selling their morals. Selling their integrity. When I, when I say selling their stuff, you think of maybe a prostitute on the street. I'm also talking about businessmen in posh offices. Are you listening? Selling their integrity. Selling their self-esteem for a few dollars. You know why? It's because they don't think they're worth much. They don't think their word is worth much. They don't think their, their being is worth much. They don't have a revelation of redemption. Oh, friend, let God minister to you. Let the truth of God obliterate all the lies of the years that the devil has told you. Yes, you've made mistakes. Yes, you've failed. 
But that should be under the blood. Amen. Not remembered or held against you at this time. When God looks at you, He sees something valuable. He sees someone precious. He sees someone important. He sees such potential in you that you have never imagined. You have never even touched in your mind the potential that God sees in you. You see a little person working a little job, going to school, doing this, doing that. God sees a kingdom ruler. Amen. A prince. A king. Amen. You realize that male and female are all called sons of God in the Word of God. It's not the gender, it's not the issue. It's the it's the it's the place. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank God, thank God. Are you thinking? Don't you? I'm not, I'm not just taking time here for nothing, you know. Are you thinking? You getting a hold of this? If you get a hold of this, it'll make you walk differently. Amen. Not in pompousness, but in dignity. The dignity that this sort of being ought to carry themselves with. You realize, my life is important. My words are important. My thoughts are important. I'm important. Not an inflated ego but a reality of what God sees. I'm valuable. I'm worth something. Jesus paid it all for me. For all of us. But yes, for you. You're part of it. How precious are you? How precious is the blood? How precious is Jesus? That's what was paid for you. That's how valuable you are. And I are to God. Like I said, the devil hates that. The devil can't stand that I'm telling you this right now. He just he despises it. He just cannot stand it. But tough. Makes me want to preach on it the whole rest of the week. Just to know that it grieves the devil. Amen. But the main thing I want you to do, the reason I'm saying this, is I want you to quit, stop listening to his lies that undermine you and make you feel so unimportant, trivial, and unworthy. Somebody said, why would you say quit? Because you have been. Some more than others. Listening to these lies until you, you don't believe you're worth much. You don't believe you're worth anything. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Oh, you've messed up your life. You've made so many mistakes. You've made so many wrong turns. You've done this wrong. You've done this wrong. You're dumb. You're such a flop. You mess everything up. You're carnal. You're so unspiritual. It's pathetic. You're ugly. Are you listening? <laughs> See, the devil feeds you this kind of stuff constantly. And so many times folks don't even realize what's happening because see, thoughts just come. And they think, well, that's just me meditating on these things. I just 
You know, no, no, the enemy's bringing these kind of things to you. Sometimes you even have other people to say some of these things to you. <laughs> and instead of you getting all bent out of shape and hurt about it, you know, you just need to look the thing right square in the face and say, well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is true about this? What's the truth? What's the truth? Am I really a no good and not worth anything? If I am such a no good and so unworthy and not worth a dime, not worth anything, why did Jesus pay for me what he paid for me? Why did he? Why did he? He saw something in me. I may not have seen it. Other people may not have seen it. But it's there. He saw it. And he's, he, he was willing to pay all for me. For us. Look at your neighbor and say, you are really worth something. <laughs> You're worth something. See, don't let anybody tell you different. Amen. You, you, don't, you don't get built in, up in this real strong just overnight. But, you know, I, I've been working on myself in this area for several years. And, and there's just, you, you just, you know, you just couldn't tell me much of anything. That would destroy my sense of self-worth. You could tell me anything. You, you could come up today. I mean the whole group. Could line up. And one after another say. Brother Keith. That's the lousiest sermon I ever heard. In my life. That's the most pathetic message. If I couldn't do any better than that. I think I'd just go dig a ditch or something. And do you actually think you can play and sing? What are you doing over there on the piano? You know, dear Lord, you ought to quit. You just hurt my ears. It just it gets on my nerves when you get over there and do that. I mean, you could go on and on and on. And you know, we're all human. You know, you get enough of the, the enough of the wrong stuff, you might have to deal with it. But but you are not you or nobody else can talk me out of believing that I am valuable. Are you listening to God and to the kingdom of God and to the things of God? See, you, you can't, what, what I'm saying is, you can't say, well, I need other people to build me up. You tell me that, hey, you got to learn to get established yourself. Amen. If you wait on other people to do it, uh, most of the time, you're going to be just waiting. Now, there is a danger. We've already mentioned that. There is a danger of you getting puffed up in your own mind, thinking you're something you're not. Thinking more highly of yourself than what you are. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about going too far. We're just talking about thinking highly according to the truth. Amen. You are important. You are worth so much to God. So much to the kingdom of God. Just because you may not have seen all that value and importance doesn't mean it is not there. God sees it and God knows. We've been redeemed. We've been bought. And what was paid for us cannot be calculated in dollar figures. You know, what if, what if somebody came up with a new car? And he said, boy, you got a new car? Yeah, how much did you pay for that? Well, I paid $65,000 for this car. You might look and think, boy, he really likes that car. Isn't that right? 
He really, he really thinks this car is, is worth something. If he paid $65,000 for it, he must really think it's worth something. Isn't that right? God didn't pay 65000 for you. He didn't pay $2 million for you. He didn't pay $2 billion for you. He didn't pay $200 trillion for you. That wouldn't have done it. I said, that wouldn't have done it. Money couldn't buy you. He couldn't get in his pocketbook and get you. You know what he had to do? He had to die. He had to let his body be opened up and let his blood spill on the ground. Because that was the only thing that was worth enough to buy you. He did it. You're worth something. We're worth something. Thank God forever. Can you say amen? Now, go back with me to Leviticus 25. Everybody say it again while you're turning. Christ has bought me from the curse of the law so that I could be blessed. Hallelujah. Has he done it? Is it true? Everybody say the devil's a liar. I'm valuable. Now here's the thing. Christ has redeemed us. He has bought us back from the curse of the law. If, if Christ had to buy us, that means we had been sold. Right? We'll see this as we progress and look in the scriptures. The reason he had to buy us is because we had been sold. Somebody else. You might think, well, I, you know, why would the Lord have to buy us since God created the heavens and the earth and he created Adam and Eve and all human beings have come out of the, you know, from Adam and Eve. Why would God have to buy what he created? Because along the way, man got sold. Now, notice here in... Uh, in Leviticus, we'll look at a couple of places here. In Leviticus 25, first of all, then eventually we're going to go over here to Isaiah 50, if you like to find places ahead of time. But in Leviticus 25, this whole chapter deals with uh, with some redeeming uh, issues. And again, what does redeem mean? It means to buy or to buy back, to purchase. And... Uh, it also means, I would add this too, it also means to ransom. How many know what a ransom is? I think one of the best examples of, you know, have you ever heard of somebody being kidnapped? And then if somebody's kidnapped, what do they want? A ransom. Now what is a ransom? They want money so, so that what? So that they'll let them go. Isn't that right? You, you give me a million dollars and I'll let your boy go. Right? That's ransom. So when you talk about being redeemed, it, it means to buy back. It also, depending on what verse you're looking at, what words you're talking about, it also means ransom. A price paid to liberate somebody. A price paid to liberate. 
Well, if the Lord had to buy us, that must have meant that we had been kidnapped. We must have been uh, uh, incarcerated. We must have been bound. We must have been sold. Some, something happened to us. Is that right? For him to have to buy us to begin with. Because we belong to the Lord just by right of creation. Don't we? Why did he have to buy us? He made us. I mean, if you, if, let's, let's say you're, you're an artist. And you paint a picture. Well, now, do you have to buy that picture? Not unless you had sold it. Right? If you painted, you created it. It's yours. The only reason you'd have to buy back your own picture is if you got sold somebody. Listen to this in Leviticus, and then we're going to put this with some other scriptures. I tell you, um, before, before we read Leviticus, Look at, look at Isaiah 50. I told you we were going there. I tell you, let's just look at this first. Then I think you get more out of Leviticus. Isaiah 50. And then we'll go to Leviticus. In Isaiah 50, the scripture says, verse 1. Isaiah 50. It says, Thus saith the Lord. Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities have you sold yourselves. And for your transgressions is your mother put away. Wherefore, when I came and, uh, wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? He talks about redemption and deliverance here, doesn't he? Notice in the 52nd chapter of Isaiah, same book of Isaiah, 52nd chapter, verse 1. He said, Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, You have sold yourselves for naught or for nothing. You have sold yourselves for nothing. And you shall be redeemed without money. Were we redeemed? Was it without money? Yes, it was beyond money. Did you notice here again and again he says, you have sold yourselves. Isn't that right? Why did God have to buy back humanity? Because humanity sold themselves. Who'd they sell themselves to? Because of sin and through sin, they sold themselves to the enemy. You know, you, you hear reading books and, and you hear it advertised on movies or whatever, you know, about folks selling their soul to the devil. Right? I mean, that's a, that's a thought that has been with people for who knows how long. People get selling your soul to the devil. And a lot of times people think, well, you know, way you'd sell your soul to the devil is some being would appear to you with some contract, you see. 
and uh, then you have to maybe take some blood or something and sign your name in blood, and then you're sold. Can't be can't be bought back. You belong to the devil. Well, friend, I want you to know that masses of humanity today on planet Earth belong to the devil. Are you listening? They none of them signed a document. Well, I could say like this, they didn't have to if they did. Sign a document with their blood. How did they sell their self? They sold their self through sin. Through abandoning themselves to do wickedly and do wrong. Forsaking the Lord. Forsaking the right things of God. And just pursuing after sin and ungodliness. In that in and of itself, you sell yourself. And what the Bible said, the wages of sin is death. The wages of it. See, he talks, he brings up money here, doesn't he? Wages has to do with money or that which is paid for something. It's not just a theory. As a human being on this planet, you belong to somebody. There's a song I'm reminded of that says, you're going to serve somebody. You understand? You're going to say, you know, there's a lie that people believe, you know, today, many people believe. You try to talk to them about receiving the Lord, and they say, well, you know, I just like being my own person and doing my own thing, you know. They're so deceived. Nobody that is not a Christian. There's not anybody who is not a Christian who's doing their own thing. They are a slave. They are sold. Many of them are so deceived they don't even realize it. Go with me to to, to Second Peter and and notice what we're talking about here. You see you see this in the scriptures revealed again. Second Peter and the second chapter. It says he was talking about individuals that have uh, left the right ways of God. Gotten off into sin and ungodliness and wrongdoing. Verse 18 of chapter 2 of Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 18. It says, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty... They themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying there are individuals who abandon themselves to the lust of the flesh. And yet they they, they spiritualize it. And tell other people that's trying to live right and say, Oh, you know, uh, you can do this. Get free. And they promise them liberty. Oh, come on over with us. We're free. You know? We're free. We drink alcohol. We do drugs. We sleep around. We're free. See, the flesh is not that, not that important. We're under grace. We're not under laws. We're free. The Bible says they promise freedom. 
But they themselves are in bondage. Servants to corruption. They don't realize it, but there is a band of iron around their neck and there's a chain on it and the devil's pulling the chain. Are you listening? And when the lust of their flesh says, I want this or I want that, there they go. They're a slave to the impulses and lusts and desires of their flesh and they're tormented. Their spirit is so dissatisfied. Their spirit is so hungry and empty. Life is hollow. What's the meaning? And they have no sense of value of themselves. They have no sense of worth and esteem. It's no wonder that God saw humanity like that and said, I gotta buy them back. I've got to buy them. I can't stand to see them in that kind of condition. My beautiful man, my beautiful woman that I created, the height of my creation, created them in my very own image. And now there they are, slaves. I can't bear to see it. I can't bear for it to be that way. I've got to buy them back whatever it takes. And it took the last drop of blood out of the Savior. But he paid it. I said he paid it. And we are forever, forever his property. And gratefully so. I said, and gratefully so. It's not like we feel this great burden of debt. Oh, dear God, I could never pay him back. Don't try to. That would be an insult. Just serve him faithfully. Amen. Do his, do his will. He didn't serve you. I mean, excuse me. He, he didn't buy you and purchase you to bring you back into bondage under Him. He purchased you to get you out of bondage so that you willingly, freely serve Him. And His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Amen. Thank God we have been redeemed. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. Out of the bondage and oppression where we were sold into slavery. We've been redeemed. Our yoke has been broken. The shackle has been removed. And we've been translated over into the kingdom of God's dear Son. The kingdom of light. We're free. And yet we're the Lord's servants. But we're not the Lord's servants because He makes us serve Him. We're the Lord's servants because of our own will. We will to. So that's the way God's kingdom is. He doesn't follow people around with a whip and a rod and a chain and you're going to do this. I'm going to make you do it. I've had people try to talk to me and say, well, i tell you what I believe. I just believe God gets ready for you to do something. You're going to do it. Wrong. You don't know Him. He's not that way. He'll let you do your own thing. He'll let you break away from Him. He'll let you go your own route. He'll let you destroy yourself. It's you. It's up to you. If you don't want to follow Him, He won't make you. If you don't want to serve Him, He won't make you. He's not like the devil. Isn't it amazing? God bought us, paid what He did for us. Not only do we belong to Him by right of creation, now we belong to Him also by right of purchase. We're His twice over. And yet, you know what He does? He takes the key. And he puts it in your hand. 
And he says, now you're a free man. You want to serve me? Or you want to serve the devil again? If you serve him, it's your choice. Don't we have a good God? Don't we have a good Lord? I mean, you want to serve somebody like that. Isn't that right? You want to. I want to serve him. I want to obey him. I want to please him. I'm his servant by will, by choice. Amen. He doesn't make me do things. I do it of my own free will. Amen. I'm his love slave. I do it because I love him. Amen. And that's where I want to be from now on. I'm his. He bought me. He paid for me. Whatever he says, that's what I do. I'm not my own. I, I don't just, I, I don't just go to the church I want to go to. I don't just work where I want to. I can't just quit if I get ready to. Now you listening. See, when you get a revelation of this, it changes your whole life. Here are people, you know, talking so childishly and so immature. Well, I'm tired of going to church here. I'm going somewhere else. If you really belong to the Lord, it's not your choice. Until He leads you to do something else, you're not free to. Well, I'm tired of working here. You know, people just do things. They just make their decisions. They don't even check with Him. Now, when you really get a revelation of it, you know, there's been some things in my life before in the last several years, especially the last ten years or so, I wanted to do some things. I wanted to do some things. I really wanted, but I couldn't. I knew I couldn't. Oh, boy. You know, I wanted to say some things. I wanted to do this or do that. But I knew I can't unless he lets me. I'm not my own. So I just, you just, you know, just settle down and say, well, Lord, I'm yours. <laughs> you know, if you tell me, I'd like to do this if you'd let me. If you'd tell me to. But if you don't, then I won't. Amen. And oh, friend, his way is, his way is best. His way is right. A lot of times even things you think you want, it'd be a mess. Oh boy, you'd mess yourself up. He knows best. Trust in Him. Rest in what He shows you. Amen. How many of you can trust Him? He's not going to, He's not going to take advantage of you. He's not going to rob from you, steal from you. He's not going to lead you into bad places and mess up your life. He's, you know, sometimes it may look interesting where He's leading you or what He's doing, but trust Him. Trust Him. Sometimes you have to go through some, some tough looking areas to get to some wonderful things. But uh, the path he's leading you on ends up in glorious places. Glory, both here and later. Everybody say, I belong to the Lord. He bought me. He owns me. Spirit, soul, and body. I'm not my own. I belong to him. Let that, let that sink into you real good. Let that register on your heart. You are His. Not your own. Not somebody else's. You're His. I like that. I like being His. Amen. 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 You see, there's a lot of folk in the world that they don't like that kind of talk. They they, they like to talk like this. I'm my own man. (laughs) You ever heard that? 
Well, I'm my own woman. I think for myself. Well, do you mean Jesus is not your Lord? What do you mean? Well, I'm my own man. I do my own thinking. What do you mean Jesus is not your Lord? What do you mean by that? If Jesus is really your Lord, then He does your thinking for you. You understand how I mean? I mean, you still think, but you know what I mean by that. He, he tells you what to do. And you do it. And even though you've got some things you might like to do, you, you just can't do it. Unless He tells you. Oh, but that's a wonderful life. That's a safe life. It's a blessed life. Amen. It's a prosperous and successful life. Fruitful life. Glorious life. Say it again, I belong to Him. He bought me. He paid for me. I am His. Not my own. Glory. I think that's registered on us better by the minute. Amen. Did you notice here that He said that they're servants of corruption? Because whatever, of whatever a man is overcome to the same thing he's brought in bondage. The Bible talks about being a servant to sin. You ever heard that phrase? Serving sin. Romans 7.14, you don't have to turn there, but it also says, Romans 7.14 says, sold under sin. Mentions a phrase, sold under sin. I mean, in the beginning, God made Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden. Everything was wonderful. He communed with him, with them. They belonged to him. They loved him. They fellowship with him. But what happened? Through sin, they sold themselves. We've, we've seen it again and again that you sold yourself because of your iniquities. You sold yourself because of your sins. You sold yourself through sin. And they sinned. And they sold themselves. Now go with me over to Leviticus now, 25. I told you I thought we'd get more out of that if we'd look at these things first. But now in Leviticus 25. In Leviticus 25, verse 47. How many realize that the things in the Old Testament are types and shadows of truths in the New? And even though sometimes you, you're reading along and it just sounds like you're reading about just natural things, yet you have to realize that all these natural things reveal spiritual truths of the New Covenant. Many people have neglected their Old Testament to their own detriment. Not, you know, you even hear people saying, well, you know, that's not for us nowadays. It most certainly is. Every one of these things, even though you're not necessarily supposed to try to, to, uh, to observe a certain ritual or perform a certain sacrifice, they are all beautiful, wonderful types of things that are true right now in the new covenant. And you understand spiritual things by comparing them with natural things. That's how you get spiritual understanding in light. Jesus always taught that way, didn't he? By using natural things, telling people this is what the kingdom of God is like. And we have a whole, uh, you know, many books back here uh, of uh, uh, natural things that teach us spiritual truths. Notice this, in Levit Leviticus twenty-five forty-seven, it says, If a sojourner or a stranger wax rich by thee, 
And your brother that dwelleth by him wax poor, and sell himself unto the stranger, or sojourner by thee, or to the stock of the stranger's family. Now, now do you see what has happened here? When he says sojourner, he's talking about this is somebody that could even be from an enemy group, a Canaanite group, a stranger, a sojourner that came into the land, and now one of the... Uh, one of the Hebrews has gotten poor because of whatever and wound up having to sell himself to this individual because this individual's got a lot of money. He has nothing. He doesn't have enough money to eat or keep going or whatever. So he sells himself as a slave to this man just to keep living, to have something to eat, to, to, to keep going on. Verse 48. After that he is sold, he may be redeemed again. Well, there's a message right there. One of his brethren may redeem him. Oh, glory. <laughs> After he's sold, he can be bought again. Amen? You know, if you, let's say you had a, a car that you had at one point. Like I had a car, you know, that uh, I've had two or three cars back years ago that now are kind of collector cars. They wasn't that special then. But as years pass, they, they are, you know, if you find the right one in good condition, it'd be worth a lot of money. And maybe I sold, you know, one of them I sold for a few hundred dollars. Now, if it was in good condition, it'd be worth maybe 20000 Well, let's say that I got to wanting my old car back. And I thought, man, I wish I hadn't got rid of that car. I want my old car. Well, is it possible for me to get it again? Yeah. If I got the money to buy it. And I, I could find it and, and buy it back and possess it again. Isn't that right? And that's what he said. He said, the man sold to the stranger. And he said, but, but after he sold, he can still be redeemed again. Oh, thank God. And who could redeem him? One of his brethren. One of his brethren can redeem him. Did you know uh, the word redeemer literally means uh, uh, kinsman who buys. The, the, the same Hebrew word that's translated kinsman is also translated redeemer. Same word. It means, when you're talking about redeemer, it means exactly what he's talking about here. A redeemer was your next of kin that had money that could buy you out of the trouble that you were in. Amen. <laughs> you're in trouble. Maybe you're in jail. Something's wrong. Things are all messed up. You, if you don't have your debts paid and you can't take care of this, they're going to send you to jail. You owe people money and things are messed up. But Uncle Jerry... <laughs> has got money. <laughs> and Uncle Jay hears about you sitting in the slammer and, and about to face, you know, all these charges because you can't pay your bills and whatever. And he feels sorry for you. And he says, man, I can't stand to see them go to jail, sit around in there and waste part of their life. I'm going to buy them out of it. So he goes and pays your bills. Takes care of everything and they drop the charges. Now I got a question. 
Do you like Uncle Jerry? <laughs> oh boy, Uncle Jerry's your buddy. You ought to go cut his grass for him. You ought to wash his car. You listen. He ought not to have to ask you to do a bunch of things for him. You should just say, hey, Uncle Jerry, what can I do for you? What can, can, can I do anything for you? You want me to run any errands for you? You want me to wash any clothes? You want me to clean the floor? What, what, can I help you with anything? You're just so glad to be out of jail and be free. At least you ought to be. You ought to be grateful. You know, I've seen folk that weren't. I've seen folk, you know, I mean, they got saved from all kind of bad things. And somebody just, just, I mean, just extend their self for them. And they just kind of acted like, well, they should have. You know what'll happen with somebody like that? It won't be long. They'll be in worse shape. And sooner or later, nobody's going to bail them out. I, for one, am glad that the Lord has bailed me out and bought me save me. Are you glad? Yeah. I'm thankful. Yeah. Every day I want to check in and say, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful you bought me. I'm glad, Lord. What can I do for you today? Amen. I'm glad. I was sold. I was sold under sin. Sold in bondage to the enemy, to him that had the power of death. I was sold under the power of darkness, under the power of death, the wages of sinner's death. I was going to hell. I was sold. I was sold into all the curse. But you bought me. Now I'm a free man. I'm a free man. Amen. You know, over in 1 Corinthians 7, I'll read this in closing. 1 Corinthians 7, he, he, he brings out some things here. He says, uh, verse 20, 1 Corinthians 7, he says, Let every man abide or stay in the same calling wherein he was called. He said, Are you called being a servant? Care not for it. In other words, don't worry about it. But if you may be made free, use it rather. Now notice verse 22 of 1 Corinthians 7. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. Amen. He said, he said, he said, buddy, if you, when you get saved, if you belong to somebody, if you're a slave, he said, don't let that bother you. Outwardly, you may be the property of this man, he said, but you are the Lord's free man. You are free. Don't care if technically and legally you might be somebody's slave. He said, you are really free. You know, there's a lot of people that they think they're free, but they're bound. That's what he was saying. In this situation, this man on the outside, he was a slave, but he said, you're free. You're the Lord's free man. And he said, likewise, also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Even though you are made free, like we said, that you should immediately become the Lord's love servant. Even though technically you don't have to do what somebody else said, nobody is calling the shots for you, yet you make yourself a servant to the Lord and to people because He's the one that set you free, enabling you to do that. In other words, we are made free to serve. Isn't that right? Sounds like a, a contradiction almost, but it's true, isn't it? 
We are made free to serve. Another portion along that line is in Galatians. I'll just read it to you. You don't necessarily have to turn there. But, but in Galatians, uh, the fifth chapter, he said, verse 13, he said, Brethren, you've been called unto liberty, freedom. Only don't use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. So that's what, he, that's what they were talking about over there earlier in Second Peter where he said, oh, come be free and yield to the flesh. That's not freedom. That's bondage. He said, don't use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Amen. I've been made free. For what? So I can serve. But this service is not inflicted. This service is willingly. I will to serve. Oh, thank God, thank God. Do you believe you've been bought? Do you believe you're worth something? Are you free? Free to serve. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.